Welcome back on this episode of Self Love Ignited. I am connecting with Lisa Winicky. Lisa and I talk about her own journey, and it is an incredible one. We talk about how she felt as a child like she never belonged, she was always out of place. When she was 18, she developed bulimia and had a lot of depression and challenges through her adulthood. She knows firsthand what it takes to overcome fear, self-doubt, judgment, worry, and guilt through her own lived experience. And Lisa now passionately supports people to cross the bridge from brokenhearted to living wholeheartedly. Her work is not for the faint of heart, but this podcast episode is everything. Please do yourself a favor, jump on in and meet Lisa. My name is Katie Allen, and this is Self Love Ignited. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Self Love Ignited. Today on the podcast, I am interviewing Lisa Winicky. Lisa, welcome. I'm really, really excited to have you here and to have this conversation with you. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to everybody? Oh, really? Uh, what a way to start. I get to introduce myself. You know, this, I, this, this question used to throw me because I'd be like, how do I define me? So I suppose I'm going to start with, okay, how do I define me now? Okay, I am a mother of three teenage boys, a single mother. I am passionate about living and loving from my whole heart. I've spent the past 14 years returning from living so disconnected to me and from a very, very, very dark place to really, you know, I'm on the eve of my 50th, which is such a beautiful thing to actually be in conversation with you because I've spent a lot of time reflecting on all that I am and where that where I am now and really knowing such deep truth and as to the core, like who I really am mm-hmm. and loving. And I know there's always more, there's always more, but where I am now is really content with, <clears throat> with everything that I've experienced in this life. That was a very long-winded question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not very good at succinct, succinct answers. So there we go. That's a good start. And I'm also a coach and a speaker and an author and all the other things. And yeah, I'm um, I'm a multi-passionate creative entrepreneur. I love lots of things. So that's why the, you know, when somebody asks me to introduce myself, it changes because I feel like I'm forever changing. Yes. Yes. Yes, I understand that very, very well. And where are you based, Lisa? In Melbourne, Melbourne. Australia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast, you know, we're self-love ignited, right? So it's all about telling the stories of women just like you who have come from a place of not liking, not loving parts of themselves, maybe being really disconnected to really being like loving who they are and being connected to themselves and, and telling the story of that journey. So if I were to ask you, you want to talk broad questions, here's a broad question. If I were to ask you, you know, where did your challenges with yourself, your relationship with yourself start? Like, can you remember the beginnings of those challenges? So the beginnings of my challenges was feeling like I didn't belong. 
from a very, very, very young age. <clears throat> so I see now that I was a seer. I could see things that others couldn't see. And so I could see the family dynamics. I could see the relationships that were going on that weren't healthy, that weren't loving, <clears throat> but it was not talked about. So I, I didn't feel safe and I didn't feel like I belonged in the family that I was raised in. That just continually, that got worse and worse. And then so I, I grew up overseas and when we, I was 10, moved to Australia and then found myself in schools where I didn't feel like I belonged. And so, again, there was, there was challenges with that. Um, and now I can see so clearly that my, my, my such, I was in such a desperate way to find that um, to find a space where I belonged, that I was always seeking that from somebody, something outside of me. So I was always the one to have a best friend because if I had a best friend, then I was safe and then they could validate that actually who I was and, and how I was feeling in the world was okay. And, and look, things just got progressively harder and worse and more challenging because I also developed, because I didn't have a great respect for my father because I had a terrible relationship with him growing up, terrible. He was gone a lot of the time and when he came home, he he was doing his best. Like I totally get it and I've got a great relationship with him now, but he was dealing with his own pain. And so that would be projected onto my sister and I, but me being a highly sensitive child and empath, I took it on and took responsibility for the entire family's um toxicity and the poor dynamics in our house and so that just got weighted and the more you know I didn't have a, hell, a safe space held for me to know how to navigate how to navigate all these feelings to not make it mean something about myself when my dad would come home and be physical with me you know I didn't have that so it was like I was in my own little world and I had no support it was just me and me and because of my relationship with my father and not having respect for him, I developed a, a real um, lack of trust in authority. And what that then did was see me being expelled from two private school, schools at, at the age of 15 and 16. And then that just set me down a spiral. My relationship with my father absolutely fell apart, even more so. Um, they organised for me to move out of home in year 12. And and then in, in the year after HSC or year 12, I developed bulimia. So I was 18. And that went on for on and off, but predominantly on for almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. And when I met my husband, I was still suffering from bulimia and he did not know about it because no one knew. I was so ashamed of it because it was to me it was such a disgusting dirty revolting I was it wasn't just that it was revolting I was you know for me to do that I was revolting so you talk about not loving yourself I was I, I loathed yeah you know who I was I was disgusted by who I was and the idea of sharing that with anyone was totally not an option for me because if I did they would see that in me. And what I was putting out to the world, Katie was this person that was together and opinionated and courageous and 
you know, attractive and all these things, people had that perception and I didn't want another to see me in a different way. So that's the long and short, <laughs> not detailed, but enough to give your listeners where to paint a picture of where I was at. Yeah, yeah. So you were you were really young when you developed bulimia then. Like you said, you, you were like a young adult. I was 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. Oh, still a child in so many ways. Mm. You know, when you're 18, you think you're, you think you're grown up, but you're not. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, I've got twins that are 17. I look at them and I, wow. One year later, I had actually, this is a really great point because I can really see it. 17 year old twin boys. I was one year older than them when I developed this. Yeah. This, um, I want to call it a disease because it really was. Yeah. Yeah. And can I ask you, because I've, so I've, I've never, I've never had um, an eating disorder, but I've spoken to many people who have, and, you know, everybody's experience of it is, is incredibly different. There's, you know, so many different ways that people experience this, but in hindsight, now that you're sort of out the other side, so to speak, was, do you know, was your bulimia about your body or was it about control or like do you do you have an idea of sort of the the root cause of it so I think there's numerous things yes the body became it because it was something I could make better Mm. fix um and I found a way of doing that because I'd put on a lot of weight with the depression and anxiety that I'd experienced now in hindsight I see that but I think at the core of I believe at the core of this is obviously a a deep lack of self-love fear so a real sense of fear and lack of safety and security and support in your body and in your environment Um, and anxiety I think is absolutely you know if I'd addressed if I'd addressed the anxiety the the accumulative trauma in my body then it would have been a different it would have it wouldn't have come about right right yeah yeah so yeah control obviously part of it to try to control how I felt and how unsafe and scared and anxious I was feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so you there you were 18 you had developed bulimia to as as a way to deal with or cope with all of these different facets in your mm. life that you've been struggling with. How did that follow you into adulthood? It became me. I became it. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> I didn't see a way out. I didn't see myself ever being without it. Um, until, until I'd been married for seven or eight years and I had twin boys that were four years old and one of them was diagnosed with um, being on the spectrum high functioning and I just went down a very very quick dark slope and fell back into the arms of bulimia and because I'd been controlling it keeping it at a semi-distance and um, and I found myself reaching out because of my son's diagnosis reaching out to a kinesiologist actually it was a friend who referred me to a kinesiologist, but it wasn't for me, it was for him. (laughs) So I went to see her to help him. 
And in that one and a half or two hour session with a dear friend of mine who's since passed away, she was able to show me and for the first time was able to show me that actually all that he needed was my love. He was a young child. He didn't need the love of hundreds of friends. That was my projection because I thought that was would make him happy based on my own beliefs yeah. and that it was it would be me it was ultimately up to me to learn to love myself and that would be that that was that was the solution what a solution and it was foreign yeah no one had ever talked to me about self-love ever hmm. and that was almost 14 years ago That's yeah. beautiful. So I love that you were referred to that kinesiologist to help your son. You went to that appointment thinking, I'm going to find support for him. I'm going to help him. And it ended up completely transforming your own life. Mm. Oh. I love when things just happen like that. You know, they just like come together and it's like the right place at the right time and the right person. And you hear that one thing that is the beginning of something, mm. you know? Yeah. So what, what did you do with that information? Because I mean, like you said, like that's, that's foreign. And when you're in this place of really loathing yourself, the idea of love is all like it, I'm sure it must have felt nearly impossible. So how did you begin? I began by going home and telling my husband, who's now my ex-husband, that's a good story in itself because I have a good relationship with him. I just want to preface that. But I went home and told my husband because he knew nothing about it. That was the beginning. That was such a liberation to sit there face to face with him and for him to love me despite what I share with him, for, for, to receive that in such an incredible way was very healing. And from that moment on, in fact, the moment on when I walked out of that session, it was like there was an energy, something inside of me that propelled me forward that I didn't even really have it. I didn't actually have a choice. I chose it. I chose whatever that was. And what came to me were the right books. The, and I say right in inverted commas, the right courses, the right programs, the right coaches, mentors, healers. You know, it all they all just came to me. I actually didn't really need to do a lot of seeking and I really just want to say this now because, I, you know, really for the first maybe 10 years of that journey, it was still trying to resolve a part of me that I felt was broken, even though I didn't think that was the case. I thought this was, this was so much greater than I'd ever experienced or felt in my life, so it fueled me. But there was still what I understand really and know now. It was still coming from a place that when I make sense of that, when I get that right... I'll be, it'll be perfect because I have a belief that I need to be perfect. And that, that, that belief still resides next to me. It's still there. It still pops in. Mm. Hello, perfectionistic. <laughs> Thank you for showing up again. Okay, it's good. Thank you. Go now and lie in your hammock, as my mentor says. Let's put her back in her hammock. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, I think it's really important because I think personal development, I'm really just feeling really into this at the moment. The personal development perpetuate, I think the industry perpetuates our desire to keep looking for the answers and they ain't out there and they aren't in those coaches or those programs or all of those things. And I was just filled up with 
doing so much that really for the past few years and that journey home to self, back to my heart, mm -hmm. trusting myself, loving myself, honouring myself, that's been the greatest spiritual practice, my greatest practice of it's the thing that's had me now being able to sit here and feel more and more loving, loving to me, but being able to re really receive love. I love that you said about the the personal development space and I just I I want to that feel, that's a really important thing. I literally just earlier today I had a session with a client and we were talking about this exact thing. And it's there are so many tools and books and coaches and mentors and I feel like there is something for everybody but at some point you do have to press pause and go you know, am I actually just running away from myself continuously because you need to move towards yourself mm. and trust yourself and trust your own vision and your own judgment and your own voice. And if your own voice is being overshadowed by all these so-called gurus or professionals, it's not actually helping you. And that's a great, I love that word guru because I used to put people up on pedestals, teachers, you know, Dr. Joe for a while was my guru yeah. and Oprah in the past would be my guru and Wayne Dyer was my guru and really when I was doing Dr. Joe's work and he was talking about us being the us being the inner guru uh, having our own inner guru I was like I got it like intellectually I got it but now I get it because as we like when we know in our bodies that no one can make choices that are actually for our highest good but ourselves no one else that no one else will know what's best for us that no one else will know what the next step is that no one else will know the best relationship for us to be in no one um, and the more i go inside and listen to my voice and ask for guidance and receive myself um, the more present I am and more committed to that relationship with me. Honestly, my life is my life and my relationships have got better and better. Yeah. How, how has, so I would love to hear how have your relationships in your life changed as your relationship with yourself has changed? What's been the ripple effect or the flow on effect there? Unbelievable, Katie. Un, they're really, hmm. I mean, I, I just before this call was speaking with a friend of mine. I had a we had a circle, an online circle on Sunday to mark my divorce because it was official. Mm. And I asked what I asked from my friends because also it was a combination of my 50th was to my love language. My top love language is words. And so I, I said, I would love to receive your words about me. Now, that takes a lot of self-love. And then to receive the words, knowing that as I receive them, I'm also giving the greatest gift to them in me receiving them. Mm -hmm. And my sister was present and I had a terrible relationship with my sister for most of my adult life. And it's not amazing, but she was so honest and she said, I don't know what's changed in you, but for so long I was, you, I was your competitor you couldn't bear listening to me because my sister's been very successful and I couldn't because I was just dealing with comparing myself and thinking she was incredible and I was 
a loser. I grew up feeling like I'm being told I was a loser, actually. Mm. And she said, I don't know what changed, but you've changed because I don't feel that anymore. And I don't know what happened. And I was just talking to my friend saying, and she said, that was incredible. But she said, what was even more incredible was you completely, because she said some other things about being shut off from me. She said, what was incredible is that you were able to hold space. You did not react. You did not feel hurt. I could see you didn't take it personally. That is what has happened for my relationships. The more I've loved myself, the more I've honoured who I am, the more I've lessened the judgment on myself, the criticism, the more I've met myself in all my humanity, I'm a safe space for me. And that then translates to I'm being a safe space for other people around me. And I could go on. I had a walk with my mum yesterday and we were always very close, but I always felt such judgment because I had such judgment. And she wrote me a letter and we cried together and walked. And, and she, I know that, I mean, she says she's so grateful for everything that I have done because I have been her teacher. Mm. <laughs> and I've been her teacher because I've chosen to do the work to heal my wounds, to heal the generational wounds actually that have been that have been carried throughout generations. Um, and that was my lot in life. That was my gig. You know, I was supposed to do that. And so I'm doing it for me, for my family and for generations gone past and generations to come. Yeah. So it is, and especially right now, you know, in the chaos of the world that I think more than ever, like I keep going, if we can love ourselves, care for ourselves, be with ourselves, look after ourselves, the more we do that, and especially as I want to say as a mother, because as a mother I have such an influence over the way my kids are in my home, that if I'm not looking after myself, mind, body, spirit, ensuring that I can't be a parent, I'm either going to you know, show up as in my wounds, in my depleted self, or I'm going, to come, I'm going to come to the relationship as an adult, able to hold space for my kids to be kids, to navigate their own, their own you know, emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Would you say, I like to ask everybody this question who I have on because I think it's, I'm just, I, I find it fascinating. Do you identify with the term self-love specifically, or is there some other term or word that feels more true for this journey that you've been on? I did, I, you know, it's, it's such a good question. I did, I did feel connected to self-love mm -hmm. for a long time. And now I feel I've can I say move beyond that? And I feel now it's about being in a state of love. And the more I'm connected deep into my heart, actually my heart, I feel waves of energy and I know that's my, that is heart energy, that is, that is love. Mm -hmm. That's uniting, that is uniting us all in every moment. That I feel it's more that my journey has been from disconnect to self-love and now to knowing that I actually 
that that is that is the state that we are all in when we are true in our true nature yeah I love your answer no one has ever given me an answer like that before (laughs) it's it's beautiful but I I can relate to that in a lot of ways on a personal level I definitely Mm -hmm. feel that yeah 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 you do get to that self-love and then it's less about feeling love and acting on love but it's about being love and embodying love and doing that within yourself and then that impacts the world around you just like as a byproduct it doesn't even have to be intentional it's when you are that person when that is your baseline everything else shifts right yeah that's it being so how can I be in a state of love when I know that my true nature is just that what do I need to return to that to expand and connect and be that mm-hmm. because that word embodiment that's it when we embody that actually what does that allow us to be it allows us to be a safe place for others it allows us to see and hear and understand another we don't actually even need to say a lot mm-hmm. Definitely. So I want to hear a little bit about you, the work that you do, Lisa, because it's the little bit that I already know. It's really powerful. I would love to hear how has your, this journey that you have been on, how has that impacted your journey to entrepreneurship and your journey to doing the work that you do today? Mm. Every, every, you know, every moment along its way, I can see like, you know, when I look back at all my past selves that were questioning or sitting at the desk after I'd written my book and like, what do I do now? Like I can see that all of that was, all of that was part and parcel of who I am and needed to be because I needed to be in the angst and the, the stuckness of not knowing what's next. I needed to experience what self-doubt felt like and, and, and be paralyzed by that. And I needed to, to experience you know, the creative, um, you know, because I, being a creative, I'm constantly receiving. And now, you know, because I, I do so much to connect with my intuition, I'm just constantly receiving. And so it's been a, pro- and also, you know, then going against what society has taught me, and that is I'm supposed to choose one thing and continue along that path, which I've never done. And that has had me feeling in the past like I'm doing it wrong or I'm a failure or I don't see through things things through to the end. Now I get it's all part and parcel of who I am now. And as I share with you when we spoke um, before, uh, before this conversation, that all of it was leading me to get to a point where I could curate a body of work that was solely of me of me that was coming through me now it doesn't belong to me but how could all of this come through to me it couldn't have come through to me without all each and every one of those experiences the bulimia the childhood the you know the writing the book the starting lots of different um, businesses the choosing to separate from a good marriage and leap out into the unknown none of it could have been possible if it wasn't for all of it and so you know that, you know, we can know something like we know that life happens for us. Of course, when we're in the depths of despair, we can't see that. But now, because I've been able to look back and gain the wisdom from each of these experiences, like I know in my body, everything is always happening for me. And that serves me. 
because even when I'm in such angst, I know that, like I know in my body, okay, what, what is it for me to extract? What is there here that is going to serve me and then serve my children, my family first and foremost, and then serve the contribution that I'm making to the world? That's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can people work with you today? Because I, I'm betting there's somebody listening to this going, I, I need I need more of Lisa. How do how do I get her? How do we do this? So so tell us about the work that you do right now. So it is a very sacred container. And I I only work with two one-on-ones at a time because it requires a lot of my energy. And because I'm available to them for the 90 days. I really am. It's just my nature. It's my spirit. And I feel very invested in this work. So my program is called The Wholehearted Woman. It is for women who are brokenhearted or half-hearted, which is essentially not feeling the courage to live from their whole hearts, where they bring everything that resides in their hearts to life. And it does. It takes enormous courage. So I am also just opened a group coach. I don't know when this conversation is going to be released, but I've also opened a group coaching, which is actually a very small group. So it's only up to five people. And that again is a 90 day container. So the way to work, the way to sort of take the next step is to apply for a conversation. So I have a form that they can um, complete and then I will get back to them if it feels like a, a good fit to then take the next step. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. And can we just find that on your website or can I get the link and put it in the show notes? I'll, I'll give you the link. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I've got yeah. somebody trying to work it out at the moment, but I'm <laughs> not tech savvy. I'm like, can you please help me? <laughs> and so it is actually on my Instagram bio. It's on my, um, on my profile, but, um, but I'll send you the link as well. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So Lisa, if there's somebody listening to this, who is, maybe where you were five, 10, 15 years ago, maybe still in the depths of whether it be an eating disorder or whether it just be in that self-loathing or that just being really disconnected from themselves. Do you have a tip or a practice or an exercise or some place that you would recommend they begin as a first step? Massive question. I suppose I, what came to me is not so much a step, but just something, a reminder, something that I want to share. And that is, and I, I, I said this to a client today, that no matter what your thoughts are and no matter how you feel, that you actually are you're not broken. There is nothing to fix. There is nothing wrong with you except the thoughts that you're thinking and the feelings that your body has been programmed to feel. You are greater than your thoughts and you are greater than your feelings. And whatever you are most afraid of, it has a different ending. So put your hand out, reach out to the person you feel could receive you right now and ask for help.
And that's it, isn't it? So much of this journey, especially at the beginning, having the courage to ask for help, having the courage to be seen mm -hmm. by somebody and trusting that there's nothing wrong with you and trusting that you will come through and trusting that your life is going to be better than you can possibly even imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that what you just touched on, I know we're finishing that what you touched on is when somebody can see you and, and you feel safe to be seen, there will be somebody in everybody's life where they, there's somebody that, that is available to them and that's the person they, they need to ask or at least have a conversation with because I know with one client in particular at the moment for me, that has been the biggest gift is that I can see her, I see her and that nothing changes. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think any differently. I don't think anything's wrong. There is no judgment. It's safe. Yeah. 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 That is life changing. Oh, wow. Okay. We've covered so much on this call. This is, this is incredible. <laughs> Lisa, is, do you have any final thoughts, anything else that feels important to say as we wrap up here? Thank you. Yeah. This has been a really beautiful conversation. The energy that you've, that you create, or you've created for me, I can't speak for anyone else, is beautiful. And it allows, it's really allowed me to access what I believe intuitively is going to be the best, whatever the best responses were for your listeners. So I'm grateful, so grateful that you've created this space to allow that to come through for me and for, for your listeners. So what a joy. And I want to say I'm celebrating you for your next, the next phase of your journey. Thank you. And your bravery and your courage. Because courage for me, when somebody is living courageously, that's wholehearted. Mm. And we need more wholehearted people living in the world right now. Yeah. way more yeah yeah I could not agree more thank you thank you for being here and sharing yourself and showing up and you know just allowing me to pick your brain and ask you the hard questions and and I just yeah I'm I'm really really grateful for you too so thank you for being here and for being a shining example for the rest of us thanks Katie All of the links mentioned during the episode are down in the show notes. Please make sure to go on over and check them out. Also, please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And I would be forever grateful if you would go on over and leave us a review on iTunes as well. That's going to help this message reach more women. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Here is to you loving yourself.